Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of Einblick Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp. And today I'd like to welcome a guest into the show who I connected with courtesy of the Rev Genius community. He's an expert in the B2B SaaS space, an extremely driven individual, and a strong believer in continuous improvement. So coming to us from Austin, Texas, Mr. Jay Desai, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here. All right, Jay, it's really great to connect again. And, uh, you know, let's, um, let's get this uh, show on the road. So just you know, do a little bit of an introduction and tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, definitely. So I am currently the head of growth at Trend and uh, we are essentially a creator marketplace for brands and influencers. Myself personally, I this is my second run into early stage B2B marketing. So mm-hmm. I used to work at another company before that called Career Plug that did HR software, hiring software. In both situations, I've kind of been the only full-time marketer so I've had to get really creative and start building out processes from the ground up for marketing. And I usually don't have very much budget as well, which is hmm. something I, which is a challenge, but I actually prefer it as well because it really makes you have to get creative on how you approach solutions to problems. But that's a little bit about me and my background. Great story, man. And uh, thanks so much for sharing that. And, you know, you brought up an interesting point about like, you know, having to, um, you know, deliver and, you know, improve the uh, performance of your organization's marketing, um, despite having a limited budget. And, you know, there's that old saying, like, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, And we're definitely going to talk about that later on. But in the meantime, um, you know, talk to us about a recent project that you've you know been working on that's gotten you um, excited. Yeah, I'll kind of give two of them actually for you. Sure. So, one of them, yeah, <laughs> one of them is our uh, our content strategy that we've just continued to to iterate and optimize. So, right now we're working with a freelance writer, um, and so we're spending about maybe I think less less than two grand a month on content production, and we're able to basically push out about two to three podcasts a week, plus one blog post a week. And with like, well-designed images and all of that stuff. And it's kind of been really fun to do. Because normally, you'd hire someone full time for like a content marketing role to maybe do the majority yeah. of that. And uh, so that's been a really fun project to to work on and kind of figure out how we can still produce at the same level as our competitors. But mm-hmm. obviously, we don't have that budget piece. So that's right. That's been a fun little challenge to solve for. And then the other project, which I think has been really fun as well, is kind of optimizing and building out our e-commerce B2B model, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit yeah. more as well. And that's just been really fun because we used to be just like every other software where you know you have the typical MRR model, um, you're looking at churn and all that stuff. And we still look at churn and things like that. But now we're more direct and transactional. So we've switched to more of a pay-per-use model and have started allowing brands to enter and try out the platform and work like see the creator applications that come in. And so it's been really fun kind of optimizing and turning it from just your typical SaaS MRR model into like more of a 
pay-per-use e-commerce B2B model, which is kind of, uh, it, it exists, but I feel like that space is really just starting to grow very fast right now. Um, and it's, it's just been a lot of fun and I've had to learn a lot personally. So I've enjoyed that experience as well. Wow. That's a handful, man. But, um, you, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely awesome. And uh, did you say three podcasts per week? Yeah. So we're doing about th- two to three episodes a week, uh, right now with a ton of awesome guests. Like we've really yeah. started cranking away at, at, pulling in guests, some of the biggest names in like direct to consumer, because that's what we focus mm-hmm. on and, sure. and brand founders. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really crazy to manage. Um, but, but we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Good stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, on, on the topic of uh, B2B e-commerce, I mean, you know, that's definitely a um, discussion that we're going to have today because that's your, uh, that's clearly your area of expertise. So um, Jay, you know, walk us through that, if you will, um, you know, what you believe are the fundamental differences, um, you know, when we look at the B2B and the B2C e-commerce ecosystem. Yeah, I think there's a few specific differences and I'm going to call out, um, I think about like two to three over here. So the first one is definitely the speed to the deal, I think is a lot of difference. Like, you know, in e-commerce, what you're like in B2C e-commerce, what you're used to is like, okay, someone maybe sees an ad or gets on your website, hits the ad to cart and checks out like that might all happen in the same day, It might even happen in the same hour, when and even sourcing like a new customer, it might happen in the same hour. But that's not going to be the case usually for for B2B e-commerce, the sales cycle is still going to be not as long as traditional like B2B sales that you would think of, but definitely still longer. No one's going to make an impulsive purchase to to buy a product. Um, they're going to do so, their own research as well. But the speed of deal is definitely a lot faster than traditional B2B in the sense of like maybe you have to hop on a demo um, or do a discovery call and stuff like that. So there's definitely kind of like it falls in that middle area. Mm-hmm. which uh, I think is a key difference over there. And then even the the process and the steps for, for B2C is a lot different than B2B e-commerce yeah. in the sense that there's a lot fewer steps um, in B2B e-commerce than there would be on B2C. So for instance, like, you know, B2C, you've got that step of maybe add to cart, uh, you know, you've got that that product page. Um, you've got maybe like that checkout page as well. Um, at least for our B two B e commerce model, like you know, you hit like you you hit the page to add. For us, it's credits. Um, so you hit the page to add credits, and you just hit add credits, and mm-hmm. and that's kind of it. So it's definitely a lot different of a process there. Uh, yeah. And also, you're really doing a lot of talking about the process of B two C e commerce. Most of it is on the website. I, actually, I think all of it is pretty much on the website in terms of, you know, you get the product description, you get the the images, the features, the reviews, especially like reviews yeah. aren't typically going to be on a checkout page for B2B hmm. e-commerce for the most part. You're probably going to do some outside research in terms of where people are reviewing. So maybe you go on G2 or Captera or something like that. Yeah. Um, so those are some key differences over there. And then just also the buyers involved in the process, like B2C is going to be always one to, for the most part, I think it would be one to one. Maybe, you know, if you're 
a kid and you have your parents involved in the buying decision as well, then maybe it's two to one. Um, but for the most part, it's one to one. Um, and then for B2B, uh, you might have multiple people involved. Like you might be, you might be a marketing person on a marketing team or um, someone on a team. And so you need to get additional clearance from your manager or something before you end up purchasing. Right. Right. And uh, one other thing I want to add as well is there's a lot less products. So that's one other thing I want to call out as well. B2B e-commerce usually has a lot less products than a B2C website. Right. Right. No, those are, um, you know, those are some really uh, great observations. And, you know, you brought up a a lot of um, really important differences. Um, You know, on on the point of the buyer, uh, Jay, would you also say, I mean, it's clearly also, um, there's clearly also a difference in the, um, in terms of the buyer's journey, right? In terms of the different touch points between the Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think there is a little bit of a difference there uh, in terms of how the buyer's journey is. It's probably going to be, like I said, a lot longer than B2C. Um, but yeah. you know, nowadays there are so many touch points for even B2C, like you've got so many emails, text messages, retargeting ads. So um, definitely see some similarities from there, but B2B is definitely a lot longer. Right. Right. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, you know, Jay, um, you, you brought it up um, like a couple of minutes ago, but like, you know, in your current position um, at, at the uh, trend.io, so you're, you know, you're the head of growth and it's a B2B SaaS company. Um, you're responsible for turning your platform into a conversion machine and you've achieved this, um, you know, with great success. So talk to us about some of the challenges that you faced and, you know, in the process and how you managed to overcome them. Yeah, I think probably the biggest challenge was just getting brands into the platform. Um, Mm -hmm. when I started, we really didn't have very many brands on the platform and, you know, B2B is, is really is really tough in that sense. Like it's mm-hmm. it's hard to get your first few buyers in the door. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, I I wanted to help push for us switching to more of a B2B e-commerce model, like a pay-per-use model. It was the right model for our industry or like our market that we're in, um, influencer marketing, like in the mm-hmm. sense of when you think of doing things with influencers or uh, I guess more so on social platforms in general, like Facebook, Instagram, you would do that when you run like a Facebook ad, you would expect pay per use. So it's weird that you would try and have some sort of recurring revenue model for something like Facebook ads when influencer marketing kind of um, and creator marketing kind of works in the same exact way where you're not always going to have maybe a campaign all the time. And sure, people do run Facebook ads, you know, ongoing and stuff like that but you're also going to want to plug in new campaigns and maybe even boost up things during that time so that was really the tough challenge was just trying to grow the number of brands and differentiate ourselves from our competition and this is kind of like that sweet spot that we found and even just changing the way that we we think about things um in terms of you know instead of having uh brands having to to pay up front before yeah. really getting to test the platform, being able to offer that trial, I think was huge. Um, and then just really in terms of the marketing stuff, budget is a, is a big thing. Like we don't have a huge budget. We're bootstrapped for the most part. And mm-hmm. so figuring out how we can reach a big audience without having like, you know, 
a million dollars available to just spend on advertising is is definitely a challenge that we've had to overcome. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you know, those are those are some really great steps that you took. And I would imagine that, um, you know, as you were trying to figure this out and getting the brands onto the platform and, and, and you spoke about it a little bit, um, you must have done like uh, at least a certain degree of market research and, and, and tested these concepts out in the market to get like some kind of validation, right? Yeah. And I think, I mean, the market validation there is we we are very focused on testing things yeah. all the time. And I, I think I'm like, I don't know if that's a term for marketers, but I consider myself maybe a super tester and our team for that yeah. point, a super tester, yeah. just because we're just so willing to try out new ideas. And that's mm -hmm. not always the case. It can be really easy to say like, hey, this is working. We're just going to kind of leave it as it is. And we've right. really done a great job and our CEO has also pushed us to do a great job of thinking like, hey, even though we are performing like really well, like even though we made like, you know, uh, you know, even though we signed on 10 brands this week, let's mm. try and sign on 20 brands. Let's not be okay with just doing 10 brands a week. Like let's figure out how we can get even more and more. Mm. Um, and that's that's been really big um, for us as well for mm. helping to push forward that needle. And I think it's just... Um, that's kind of the market validation that we do is we'll go out and we'll even spend money and just like test ideas. And, and we've changed our platform and just been like, all right, we're just going to try this out and, and see what happens. And if it sticks, we'll just compare the research, the data to what we had previously. If it's better, we'll keep it. Um, if not, we kind of take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that, that's incredible, Jane. It sounds, it, it seems to me like it's a, it's also a pretty, um, uh, motivating exercise for lack of a better description because you know, it seems like you find yourself in an environment where you're where you know you're trying you guys are trying to like push yourselves on continuously to the next level right so i guess yeah. that's where the where the, where the uh, continuous improvement part comes into the equation right exactly exactly and i think that's what you have to you really have to do especially even if you're not bootstrapped bootstrapping like yeah. even if you have raised around even if you are a well-established company like you mm -hmm. just can't be satisfied mm. with the results that you're getting even if they're really good results like yeah. i think if you really want to grow fast and really mm -hmm. want to take it to the next level and and just become like you know one of those companies that ends up being just miles and and leaps ahead of the rest of the competition you just have to have that kind of continuous growth mindset yeah yeah no that's absolutely right that's absolutely right all right um let me highlight some statistics here okay before i ask you uh, my next set of questions so um <clears throat> and it's all around b2b e-commerce so according to an article by forbes okay um point number one b2b e-commerce is anticipated to be the area of largest e-commerce growth from 2020 to 2025 right then there's point number two. Point number two, 73% of B2B buyers today are millennials. Not really a big surprise, but, um, and they prefer to like buy online. And that was according to a report by Merit. And point number three, the global e-commerce market is projected to grow at a CAGR of 11.1% from 2018 to 2025, so um, I believe CAGR means compounded annual uh, growth rate. So, and that's according to a publication by Meticulous Research. So here are the questions. 
What do you believe are the key factors that can be attributed to these trends? And what are some of your key predictions when it comes to the future of B2B e-commerce? Yeah, so I'll start with the the trends piece. Yeah. Um, what do I think is attributing to what's happening over here in the market? And I really think it comes down to a few different things. The first one being lifestyle changes. Yeah. B2B to C e-commerce, like the introduction of just that idea that you're able to buy something like instantly and not only instantly, but do it yourself, right? You don't have to go mm. into a store. You don't have to go and ask someone, hey, what aisle is this in or something like that? It's really yeah. very much of a self-serve process. And we've been trained into a lot of self-serve processes. And so I think that's part of what's contributing to that trend. Just, mm. um, we're, you know, we're used to wanting things fast and having the information or needs to be able to, to do it fast and be able to figure out and make an informed decision, right? I can go... Yeah on a review site and look up and say like, Hey, like 90 other people say that this is a great product. So I, I feel pretty comfortable with, you know, after seeing that social proof that I can go out and purchase this product. So mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. And then it's also really just scalable in terms of your, your time spent, right? So yeah. instead of having to hop on a bunch of calls or, or go and drive to the store or, well, I guess this is for, more for B2C, but even for B2B, sure. I guess, instead of, having to, to jump on a demo or having to jump on a bunch of different calls or having to do something else. Like I can go to a website, like if I find a B2B product that I'd like, yeah. um, that is on kind of that e-commerce model. And I can say, Hey, here's the price. I can email my manager and say, Hey, I really want to use this tool. Here's the price for it. Do we have yeah. budget for it? Um, and then I can just go out and, and check out the product. And even there's just so many free trials available too, for a lot of mm -hmm. these things. Um, so it's just very like uh, self-serve oriented. And I think it's also simplified, like in terms of yeah. what I was talking about, um, the price itself mm -hmm. is, is just like usually very transparent and readily available. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a lot easier to just, to just make decisions. And I personally, as a younger person, love being able to, to check out things on my own and, mm -hmm. and be able to get started as quick as possible because any any time that I spend, and especially at an early stage startup like Trend is, any time that I spend on calls and stuff like that really takes away from my productivity to actually get the the real work done. Right. Yeah. And then, so answering your second question on what are some of my key predictions that I think are going to happen, I think more businesses are going to start using this model to scale. Mm -hmm. Um. B2B e-commerce is just so easy. There's so many tools out there now for being able to, to run like a checkout process on your website um, and it not just being for just like B2C like product checkout. So there's a lot of solutions out there and I think it just makes it really easy. Um, and also, if you're a B2B company and you're growing through an e-commerce model, I, I'm a little biased, but I think it's the smarter way to do it because of the fact you don't really need to, and salespeople are going to hate me for this, but mm -hmm. you don't really need to build out a huge sales team to be able to, to sell deals. But honestly, if you're thinking with more of that kind of like founder level approach, yeah. this is really important because that can be saving a lot of money on the bottom line. So that's more, com that's more money that you get to put back into the business um, or even spend um, salary wise, maybe distributing some of that to your employees as well. So I think, 
that's really cool. And then I think just seeing more stealing from B2C. Mm. So like I said, there's a lot less products on B2B. Um, I think we are going to maybe start seeing some things like uh, having that more structured B2C checkout process where you've got your cart, you know, you enter in your information, maybe there's an abandoned cart process, um, asking for reviews after the products purchase. Like, I think I, I've gotten a few emails where, you know, I have products that are like B2B, uh, B2B products that are like from an e-commerce model and they do ask for reviews, but I think there's going to be a lot more of that um, happening. Like, so asking for the review, like immediately after like the user gains some sort of value. Uh, and then maybe one that I'm going to throw out here that's kind of crazy. We'll see if it happens, but I think Go. text message marketing uh, could possibly weave its way into B2B marketing as well. Um, really? I see, yeah, I see one guy um, that does this really well. Um, and it's not really, he's not selling products. And we actually had him on our podcast as well. Nick okay. Sharma, um, okay. who is a known as like the D2C guy. Mm-hmm. And he has um, a number that you can actually text and receive like a bunch of like advice and it's for basically like founders and marketers. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely see some of that stuff playing in there. I'd check out like community.com. I think that's the, that's the one that a lot of people are using. Um, mm-hmm. So that could be really big. Um, and then just like a more data-driven approach, uh, personalization anytime that you have, that you use just like, I guess instead of having your typical sales cycle where you're doing calls, uh, one thing, call, calls are great, but they're also really inefficient in the sense it's hard to keep track of that information. Yeah. And whereas with like when you're making transactions just on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of data that can be s- stored and kept and really mined. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely see a lot more personalization there. And then the last thing I'll say is um, I think there's going to be a little bit less customer service to an extent and not in the sense of like, Hey, something's broken. We're not going to fix it for you, but more mm-hmm. in the sense of, Hey, like we're not going to cater to a customer that says like, Oh, I think you need to build this feature or you need to do this for your product roadmap to, to help win me over as a customer. Since this is more like selling at a scale, um, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to push back a lot more on those requests. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, those are really some incredible observations, man. I really hope that the listeners are taking notes <laughs> as you were talking. <laughs> but, um, you, you know, like, Jay, um, you, you know, you came up with so many um, interesting, um, you, you know, uh, answers and also like predictions. And I, would you say that, um, you, you know, a lot of this, you know, in terms of the trend where this is all going, you know, towards in terms of like the um, the further evolution of B2B e-commerce, I mean... Certainly, the certainly the pandemic had something to do with that, or at the very least, the pe- pandemic accelerated the um, the further development of that. But but do you think that um, this type of evolution um, in this e-commerce space, with the advancement of technology, digitalization, and the usage of AI, do you think that that would have happened regardless of whether the, there was a pandemic or not? Absolutely, I, I think yeah. it was just a matter of time, um, mm-hmm. and even on the e-commerce, B two C e-commerce as well, it's. It's only a matter of time. It's just a lot easier. I mean, even I kind of relate it back. So my mom's going to kill me if she listens to this episode, but she <laughs> used to be deathly afraid to use um, a debit card for a while, um, mm-hmm. you know, back in like the 90s when I was a kid. 
Right. Uh, just because like she had never, she was born and raised in India and never yeah. been really exposed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be kind of scary, but now she uses it all the time. She uses cards all the time. And so, um, right. it's kind of just like, you know, once you get exposed to it, um, it's, it's just so hard to let go because it is just so easy. And I think the only difference is like with this pandemic, what's brought to light is more people have been forced to be exposed to this. But right. once you kind of get into it, it's yes. it's very hard to come back. Yes, yes, yes. That that's that's absolutely right. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.imblake.co for more information. Jay, you spoke about this earlier, you know, when we were um, uh, talking about, like, you know, your role at uh, Trent and, you know, uh, all these contributions that you've made to the to the organization. And certainly um, your scrappiness, coupled with a touch of creativity, uh, certainly played a role in that. So let's talk about that a little bit further. You know, like how do you believe creativity plays, um, you know, a role in your uh, field of expertise? And give an example. It's it's huge, Christian. It it mm. really is, especially for someone yeah. that's in early stage. Like, had you've been talking to me, and I was doing marketing at like uh, a company that's maybe has really good ground in their industry or their market, um, or they're maybe like at that kind of like bigger level where you've got like a thousand employees it's definitely a lot different but i think when you're at that early stage and i think this is the mentality that you should carry through regardless of whatever stage your company is is just being creative um and for us it's just really figuring out how to manage our limited dollars like i said we Mm -hmm. we don't have that much outside funding and so it's just important for us to to be really smart about how we spend our money because it's, it's not, um, you know, as, as nice as it would be to have that kind of unlimited runway, that's definitely not the case. So, you know, moving and focusing towards profitability is something that's really important for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should be for any company, obviously. Um, but I think it's especially important for us because, you know, we haven't received that much outside funding right now. And it, it's just such a better way to grow. Um, but yeah, I think so creative creativity really leans in over there and and just figuring out also um for us, I mean, influencer marketing platforms, it, it isn't just trend that's out in this space. And we kind of create we kind of brand ourselves a little bit more as a creator marketplace, more so mm-hmm. than like your typical influencer marketing platform, but but still we get grouped into that bucket. And yeah. there's a lot of platforms out there that have also raised a lot of money. And so uh you have to figure out how to get creative about stealing market share. You can't just keep yeah. following your competition and doing the same things because that that just will never get you above them. It'll always keep you at them or below them. Mm. Well, well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, you you know, you end up sliding into that me too positioning, which is clearly a territory you want to avoid, right? So, absolutely. Yeah, great. Um, you spoke about this. Uh, you know, to a certain degree earlier, but like what, what type of advice would you give B2B marketers when it comes to e-commerce and specifically, like, what are some of the steps that you think they can take uh, to ensure success in their e-commerce strategy? Yeah. So I think there's a few key steps over here that um, sure. 
I, I want to share. And the first one, the number one thing, and this is true for whether we're talking about B2B e-commerce or whether we're just talking about marketing in general is just make it simple, make it easy for the buyer um, yeah. to be able to, to get into your product, to be able to purchase your product, to be able to test it out. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's got to be the easiest thing. If you're really product driven and, you know, I, I think a lot of companies should have that product led growth approach, which we kind of have made sure and focused on over here. Um, just make it really easy to use. So that way um, anyone can get in, anyone can test it out. Um, and it just makes it easier for people to purchase and don't put them through a bunch of hoops to be able to buy, like let them yeah. be able to buy really easily. Um, the other thing is just being very buyer centric. Um, so pay attention, be, be listening to what people are saying, mm -hmm. um, and, and really taking the feedback that you're seeing, whether, you know, you're using like some sort of tool, like a heat map or something mm -hmm. like that, or even just talking to customers directly. Um, use that feedback and help it to to drive your product and and especially on B2B e-commerce. Yeah. One thing that I would say that's been incredibly helpful for us has been just following our own workflows. So if you have your own product and you're doing a B2B e-commerce workflow, test it out yourself or give it to a friend and and let them be like a user for for a moment to figure out like, hey, this doesn't make sense or this doesn't work the way that it should, or I get frustrated here and there. Um, those are just really important things to, to look out for. And then I'd also say, um, don't be afraid to get dirty at the beginning. Um, yeah. You know, whether you're switching or you're starting a new, like your business is B2B e-commerce and you're starting mm -hmm. that from the ground up, um, just because, you know, you are doing a very transactional thing, like, you know, hey, you're expecting people to come to your website, get into your product, purchase your product. That doesn't mean that you should have no interaction with them. Like yeah. be, be okay with helping them get set up, be okay with, with doing work for them, be okay with reaching out and talking to them. Like it, it, sh it shouldn't be just purely transactional right. um, as typical like B2C e-commerce might be. And even that I think shouldn't be purely transactional. You should always ask for customer feedback. Um, and the last thing I'll say about that is just, Having good data, the the nice thing about B2B e-commerce is that it's a lot easier to track. So I highly recommend, and we've done that over here at Trend as well, is setting up uh, enhanced e-commerce in Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you have that set up so that way you're sending your purchases through analytics and you can kind of track the, the conversion path, the time that it takes to convert, mm -hmm. all of that good stuff, what channels are coming, what channels revenue is coming in from. Um, it's just so easy to set up. Uh, so definitely check that out. There's some awesome stuff on Simo Ahava's website uh, that I would recommend checking out if you need help on figuring out how to set up uh, B2B e-commerce enhanced or the enhanced e-commerce functionality analytics. Um, mm -hmm. And then even like pixels, like we haven't, we haven't really dived as much into that yet, mm -hmm. but there's definitely a lot of work you can do in terms of uh, retargeting pixels. Um, so like sending certain pixels to buyer based off of like purchase value and stuff like that. Um, so you can really get into like hyper targeting. Um, we haven't done so much of that yet. Kind of just like a limitation of time and resources there. Um, yeah. But that's something I would also recommend as well. Wow. That was some really great advice, man. And I mean, I, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head, you know, in terms of like, you know, keeping it simple, um, keeping a pulse on the market, um, leading with data, measuring what matters. I mean, all, all of these great tips. Um, so, you know, thanks, thanks again for sharing that.
Um, Jay, we come to one of my favorite parts of the conversation. <laughs> um, it's about conventional wisdom, uh, commonly held beliefs, and every, every field, every area of expertise has one, um, yours included. So talk to us about one such belief that people have when it comes to e-commerce for B2B and tell us why you strongly disagree with it. Yeah, I think it's one that I kind of hit hit on earlier as mm. well that I want to just bring up again. It's that you don't need to just let your website or product do the work. Um, yeah. You also need to just get dirty as well and and be willing to talk to people and and just work with people and and do all that stuff. It's it's not just kind of like B two B e commerce isn't like you just like kind of set it and mm. forget it and just hope for the best. Um, yeah. You have to constantly just just stay close to the ground there. So that's something um, that I think can be easy. Like, oh, especially like if you maybe don't have as much of a marketing background and you're launching a product or something like mm -hmm. that, um, it can be very easy to say like, oh yeah, I built this great product and uh, I'm just going to have people sign up for it. Like I'll, I'll send it out to my network and a few friends and maybe get listed on like product hunt or something like that. Um, but you really do need to stay close to the ground and figure out what's working and what's what's really not working um, yeah. for your product. Uh, one example that I saw was really interesting um, that I actually read a few days ago. I don't know if it was on LinkedIn or whether I read it mm. in an article somewhere. Um, but Facebook, when they had started, actually, one of the things that they realized uh, very early is that um, people who sent a friend request in the first seven days would be much more engaged than people who didn't. Um, so it's just really staying close to the product and and really analyzing the data um, and just understanding what your customers really want and what they're using the product for. That was a really great insight. And uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, name one thing that you think people should start and name one thing that people should stop doing when it comes to e-commerce for B2B. And you might have brought some of these points up already, but just, you know, name one name one in each category. Yeah, so I think for starting, um, my biggest one that I would say is start using enhanced uh, e-commerce on analytics if you aren't already. Um, like I mentioned, it's just so much easier to, to keep data on um, B2B when you're using e-commerce. So, there's so much good data available and, and e-commerce or B2C e-commerce is an excellent job of, of doing this. And we can all take from what they do over there in terms of how great they are on targeting and segmenting customers and things like that. So use the data to your advantage there. Um, and then the thing that I would say for stop doing is stop building just for desktop for the most part. Hmm. So like, I feel like a lot of, B2B solutions are very desktop oriented, like the product lives on just the desktop. And mm -hmm. we also are working on this at Trend as well, trying mm -hmm. to figure out how we can do a better job. But so many people, I mean, everyone has a phone nowadays and yeah. um, most of your buyers will probably have uh, some sort of smartphone, especially in yeah. the B2B space, since usually the entry level price point is a little bit higher. Yes. Um, so just make sure that you're you're also optimizing for mobile as well. And e-commerce e is a great, B2C e-commerce does a great job of, of doing this. And I think we can all learn from there. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, those are, uh, again, really great points. And yeah, I mean, uh, definitely on the platform should be responsive. It it almost sounds like it's a given, but it's 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 interesting to see that, um, you know, you know, that there's still some companies out there that don't do that. Right. So, yeah. And I think it's just even having like that whole like mobile experience for like signing up. Like, what is your mobile experience for signing up? look yeah. like can someone even sign up from your from your mobile site you don't have to go out and like build like a mobile app or or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. just make it easy so like you know maybe your product is something that people want to use on the go um right. and it still might be for business like linkedin is still used on the go but it's it's kind of for business so yes. just li- listening and learning about those different things are incredibly important mm-hmm yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And, and, you know, speaking of incredibly, Jay, this has been an incredibly insightful and engaging session. So um, thanks so much, man, for, you know, coming on and sharing. Um, what's the best way for people out there to, get, you know, get a hold of you? Yeah, so the, the best way is uh, if you want to find me on LinkedIn, uh, just search for Jay Desai. And if you can't find me on here, you can probably find me through Christian. Um, as hunt him down (laughs) on LinkedIn as well. Um, and if you want to reach out to me, uh, feel free to to shoot me an email. It's just, uh, jadasai at trend.io. I have no problem sharing that. Um, and for anyone that's listening, that might be a brand or a marketing agency, uh, feel free to give trend trend a try. I promise, uh, you won't regret it. And I, I'm sure you'll, you'll enjoy the product and, and find some value in it. So if you're an, e-com- an e-commerce B2C brand um, or a marketing agency that works with influencers or does like digital marketing in that sense, um, feel free to, to check us out and give us a try. And to quote the Godfather, uh, Jay will make you an offer you can't refuse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think our offer is already one that, you know, you can't refuse since yeah. most of the other competitors in the space are about um, uh, a few hundred, like a few hundred dollars a month just for the the, the software fees. Um, and we yeah. only do a hundred dollars per creator. So. Yeah. All right. I love it. I love it. Jay, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for your time. So take care, be safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds great, Christian. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye for now. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.